turn to the book of Jude. Easiest way to find it is to go to Revelation and go back one book, all right? And uh, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> hey. I'm preach next week out of the book of Amos. We'll spend 25 minutes waiting on you to find it, all right? All right. We're going to read the entire book of Jude tonight, all right? And uh, some of y'all done upset right now. And, uh, but uh, we're going to read the entire book of Jude. I'm talking about every single verse of the entire book, all right? And so uh, it's one chapter. <laughs> all right. Is everybody ready? Hey. It's taking y'all a while, but y'all getting there, all right? All right. Let's take a look at this real quickly. And uh, it's not going to be a, man, I got like 900 points, all right? So we got to get started. All right, the gener, uh, uh, the, I started to read the title of the thing. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Uh, right off the bat, we're introduced to the book of Jude. We're introduced to the writer. Uh, he calls himself uh, the servant of Jesus Christ. And then he tells us a little more information. And he tells us that he's the brother of James, which would make him the half-brother of Jesus Christ. All right. His name in scripture, when referred to as Jesus' brethren, would have been James and Judas. Jude was an English translation of the name Judas because they did not want to uh, 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 have the two identify with each other, all right? So it was like the short version of Judas. Uh, but this is a half-brother to Jesus Christ. I point this out. Because he referred to himself not as the half-brother of Jesus. Now, you would have. Don't lie. I need somebody to help me. Bunch of name-callers. Y'all dropping names. Y'all know y'all would have. I'm Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm half-brother to Jesus, all right? But he referred to himself as a servant to Jesus Christ, all right? Which shows the humility of this man. And he says to them, he's writing to. Who's he writing to? Somebody help me. The Jews, all right, but who is he writing to in particular? Save people, all right? I know, I know, it's rough, all right? It's been a rough day, okay? But he is writing to save people, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called, all right? And so this is written to Christians. It's written to the early church. All right, which at the time would have been a lot of uh, uh, Jewish believers. All right, and the Bible says in verse number three, beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. Now, I'm on. I'm going to give some things just for a moment, but we'll, we'll get into just reading here in a minute. But here he says, when he started this thing out, he wanted to write to them and encourage them. 
He wanted to write to them and give them a good message about the common salvation. Now, he wasn't degrading salvation. He wasn't uh, devaluing salvation at all by calling it common salvation. He was just basically making a reference to the fact that it was available to all. It was common salvation to all. The rich get it the same way the poor get it. I need somebody to say amen. No matter your skin color, you get it the same way. No matter your, 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 your standing out in the public, the only way to, uh, to be saved is through Jesus Christ. And therefore, it is a common salvation. And, but he said, I wanted to write to you about that. I wanted to write to you on that subject because it's light. And boy, we could have some fun with it. Is everybody all right? And that's why y'all come to church. Y'all hoping that sooner or later I'm going to preach a Joe Osteen message, all right? But it ain't going to happen tonight. All right. So he says, beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, he says, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Alright, so this is not your faith. I need everybody to hear me. It's not your ideology of faith. This contending for the faith is contending for our, what you and I know as our faith. It is our doctrine. It is our foundation. We are to contend for that. Which means if we are to contend that we are going to have an opponent. Amen. Is everybody all right? And he introduces us to those opponents. All right. Verse number four. For there are certain men crept in unawares. I want to point that out. There are certain men that have crept in. He's talking to the church. He's preaching to the church. He's writing to the church. And he says there are certain men that have crept in unaware. In other words, they're sitting amongst you. They're sitting amongst you and you don't even realize it. I need somebody to, I need somebody to say, ooh. Yeah, that's, that's ooh. 30 years after Jesus hung on a cross, he said, we already got people in the church done crept in. They're sitting. Is everybody all right? We're a long way from the cross. Almost 2,000 years later, what do you think? Let me move on. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Oh, that's tough. Ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance. Though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them, in like manner giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth. For an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Boy, that thing just went from encouragement to, whoa, is everybody all right? Uh, uh, Jude, I will say this as we go through it, because I'm not going to preach on this, but Jude makes reference to things that uh, the other writers and of the epistles 
never make reference to. One of those things happens right here in verse number 6, the mention of the angels that left their estate. And we have to go back to Genesis chapter number 6 to see those angels or what we believe to be those angels that left their estate. But he gives us information that we don't otherwise have. And Jude does this in several different places. And uh, I just pointed out in verse number 6. But in verse number 8, as we continue to read, the Bible says, Likewise also these filthy dreamers. If you have a Bible like mine, then you see that that word filthy is in, it's italicized, which means... It was added in the translation to try to help us understand. But there really was no reason to do this in this particular uh, 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 verse. Uh, likewise, also these dreamers, all right? Uh, they're, living in a, they're living in a world that uh, really doesn't exist. I need somebody to help me. Boy, we're we living in that day and time, all right? We're living in, in our minds. Or, uh, uh, there's people that are, are living in a world uh, that's not a reality. Likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael, the archangel, archangel when contending with the devil, this is another instance of him bringing out something that we do not know in Scripture, but yet he points it out by divine revelation from God. He says, yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke thee. But these, these certain men, these speak evil of those things, which they know not, but what they know naturally as brute beasts, in those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them! For they have gone in the way of Cain, and, read, and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward, and perished in the gainsaying of Korah, or this is Korah, if you'll remember Korah and, uh, uh, in, uh, uh, back in uh, Moses' day, all right? Verse number 12, these are spots in your feasts of charity or in your agape feast, all right? They had, uh, you'll remember from 2 Corinthians chapter number 11, uh, as we go through and do uh, a lot of times in our communion, we talk about how they were gathering together for like a potluck. It was an agape feast. This is a reference to that. It's just worded different, and that is the spots uh, are in your feast of charity, which would have been the agape feast, all right? He says, these are spots in your feast of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, he's describing them, raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever." Here's another reference, 14, that you and I do not have, and that is from a, a sermon excerpt, if you will, from Enoch. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment upon all 
and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words. Boy, I could have some fun right there, but I won't. Having men's persons in administration because of advantage. But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last day who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves sensual, having not the Spirit. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference. And others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. Boy, y'all got a whole book in tonight. Y'all can go, man, and say, my preacher preached a whole book. I mean, we don't read just one verse. We read the whole book. I was reading this, and I was thinking about our current situation, our current world. If you're a Christian, you know that our current world is not uh, uh, conducive. It's not very friendly. It's not uh, very uh, uh, attracted uh, to Jesus Christ nor his teachings. Amen. Is everybody all right? Oftentimes you and I can get to a place where we are indifferent. We are, uh, we uh, experience a feeling, if you will, of hopelessness as if my, I'm not really doing anything. Uh, maybe yesterday you said my vote don't really count. Or maybe you've thought that in your life or you've thought this or thought that. I don't really do anything to impact anybody else. But the scripture tells us here that you and I can make a difference. Man, this thought's been on my mind and been on my heart. And we're going to look at this and I'm going to just outline the chapter and we're going to go through some of these things. But I want you to know that I want to make a difference. This past Sunday, I preached on David and Goliath, and we talked about uh, going down. Somebody's got to go down there and fight. Somebody has got to fight. We can stand up there, we can hide, we can stand up there, we can watch what's going on only for so long. Somebody's got to go down there and face the giant. Somebody's got to go down there, and they've got to kill him. And, and, and we were talking about that this past Sunday, and now we're moving into this thought of making a difference. 
I don't want my life to just go through life. I don't want to just go through my time here on earth and, and leave having not made a difference. I need somebody to help me. I don't want that. Maybe you're satisfied with that. Maybe it's okay with you if nobody ever know your name or anything like that. I'm not trying to make a name for myself, but what I am trying to do is make a difference where I can. Me and Brother Josh was talking about it. Pray for Brother Josh. They're waiting on a baby to come, and it may have already come. I, I, I hadn't gotten word yet that it has, uh, uh, but uh, they're waiting on a baby to come, and he's going to be a grandpa at 39 years old. He's stressed out about it, all right? Y'all pray for Josh. Uh, but anyhow, uh, uh, Brother Josh, me and him has been talking. We were talking last night. We were talking this morning. We, we've been talking about this thought. But anyhow, I, have, uh, uh, I, I told him, I said, listen, I can't do anything about what goes on outside of my community. I can't do anything about what goes on in Atlanta. I can't do anything about what's going on in Tallahassee or Jacksonville. I can't do anything about what's going on in Washington. Can I get an amen right there? Amen. But what I can do is make a difference where God places me. And that's what I'm trying to do tonight. As we look at this, I want you to look at uh, 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 just four things with me and a bunch of subpoints, but I'll try to preach them very quickly. As we go through the book of Jude, I want you to notice there's an enlistment to the fight. There's an enlistment to the fight. In verse number three, the Bible says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. There's an enlistment into the fight. I want you to notice that it's pressing. There was other things that he wanted to write about. There was other things that he wanted to talk about. There was other things that he wanted to preach about. But this matter was pressing. And the matter is still pressing today. If it was pressing 30, 30 years after Jesus' death on the cross, it still matters today. It is still pressing today. Somebody's got to get in the fight. Somebody has to contend for the faith. We have been enlisted for the fight. We is a pressing matter, but it is a personal matter. I want you to notice this. It said, it was needful for me to write unto, everybody say it with me, you. Y'all, Lord, Lord, hell. All right, let's get back to it. Uh, beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you. That's, everybody point at yourself. That's, that's you. Everybody point at your neighbor and tell them that's you. I need somebody to help me. We sit here and act like the Bible. We, 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 we act like contending for the faith is the preacher's job. I'm going to move over on this side. We act like contending for the faith is the leadership of the church's job. But that's not what it is. This was written to the believers in the church and he employed them. He, he invited them into the fight. Personally, it's needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith, which was uh, uh, once delivered unto the saints. Has everybody seen that? Tell me you've seen that. Has everybody seen that? All right, so you're in the fight. Well, I don't want to be in the fight. You should have never got in. You should have never got in. Yeah, and, and, and if you didn't want to get in the fight and all you was trying to do is get in so you can get to heaven, you probably ain't in. Amen. Oh, I need somebody to help me. 
If all he was trying to do is get out of, get out of hell and get into heaven, you probably ain't in. Because everybody, I need somebody to help me. Amen. It's a fight. If you've been saved for more than five minutes, you can testify it's a fight. You, 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 you've been saved any amount of time, you know it is a fight. The devil will come at you with everything that he has. But you and I have been enlisted into the fight by the half-brother of Jesus Christ here in the book of Jude. And he tells us to contend for the faith. We see it's pressing, it's personal, and it's pertinent. What do I mean by that? It's relevant today. If all of this was going on back then and it's an urgency back then, then you better believe that it's going on right now and it's still a big uh, uh, urgency, if you will. We've been enlisted in the fight. Our job ain't just coming to church and sit down. Man, I enjoy coming to church. I enjoy worshiping there like everybody else. But God didn't just save me so that I could stand here and worship when we sing the right song that I like. God didn't save me so that I can just come to church and check off a box. He's enlisted me in the fight. I have a purpose. I need somebody to help me right here. We all have a purpose. God didn't save you for heaven. <laughs> Stay with me. If he did, you'd already be there. He saved you and he's, given, he's commissioned us. He's given us a job to do a purpose in life and it, it's right here. Contend for the faith. Then we see the enlistment in the fight. Let me ask you this. Are you in the fight? Amen. Remember we talked about David and Goliath and we talked about Israel and Philistines this past Sunday. And they were all standing up on the mountains looking down in the valley and only one went out there every day for 40 days. That giant went out there and said, send somebody, I'll kill them. And every time the Bible says that when he went out and he stood in that valley and he spoke that the men of Israel trembled. They hid themselves and they trembled. We got enough people standing on the sidelines. We got enough people hiding in the mountains. We got enough people that are just observing what's going on. Somebody's got to get in the fight. Is everybody right? We're enlisted in the fight. We see the enlistment to the fight. Number two, we see the exposure of false teachers. The exposure of false teachers. Now, I want you to remember in this mindset, if they had them back then, they're going to have them today. Right. If they crept in unaware back then, they're going to creep in unaware in here. There's a good possibility. All right, now, if you are one of these people, <laughs> welcome. We're glad you're here. <laughs> All right, if, if you know somebody, I want you to do something before the service is over. Go grab them, throw them on the altar, and tell them they better get right with God. Or, no, I'm just kidding. Don't do anything like that. All right. All right. Let's look at the exposure of these false teachers. I want you to first notice that he gives us examples of false teachers, and he gives us examples from the Old Testament. He showed us some things in the Old Testament. You'll remember, first off, he brought up in verse number five, he brought up that they remember how that the Lord delivered them. From, uh, or delivered Israel from bondage. He did that, somebody help me, with 10 miracles. Does everybody remember that? That last miracle was the death angel or the Passover. We remember that night and, and uh, the Egyptians said, get out, just leave. 
And so they take off and they leave. They leave out of, out of Egypt and they're heading to the place that God has prepared for them. They're heading to the place that God has given to them, to the promise that God has given to them. And they come to the Red Sea. They come to the Red Sea and they say, man, what have you done? You done brought us out here? You're going to get us killed. And Moses cried to God and God said, take that rod in your hand, that same one that you used for all of those miracles in front of Pharaoh. And he said, you take that rod and you part that Red Sea. And the Bible tells us, man, and it's, it's recorded one of, the, one of the greatest events in history ever. It's recorded all over your Bible. References are made to it throughout the Bible. And they crossed over on dry land. The Bible says that God, he moved behind Israel and it was, he was a light to Israel and he was a cloud of darkness to uh, uh, the uh, uh, Egyptians and they tried to pursue Israel through the Red Sea and once God got him in the middle, <laughs> he, clo I need everybody, he closed the door on them. I don't know about y'all. Let's just talk about it just for a few moments. Let's just ration, uh, uh, ration it out maybe just for a few moments. And if I'm one of the 600 and something thousand that come out of Egypt and God's walking me through a wall of water on this side and a wall of water on that side and I'm walking on dry ground, I think I come out the other side with a whole new perspective about this God. But the Bible says that as soon as they got over to the place that God had given to them, and we find this in the book of Numbers, but as soon as they got there, their unbelief, they wouldn't go any farther. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If they can do that, having seen what they've seen, how many times do you and I fail God in our unbelief? And God gives us an example. The writer here, Jude, gives us an example of Israel and how they seen the great miracles of God, how they seen God do wonderful things, and yet they still had an attitude of unbelief. The Bible tells us about the angels in verse number 6. We'd have to go back to Genesis chapter number 6, and I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to even try to explain this. If you want to know more about this, come to the Bible college. It's free, and I teach on this, all right? But we're not going to spend much time on this right here, but he makes a reference that these angels left their state. In other words, God gave them a domain, a place for them to be, and they left their first estate, and God dealt with them. God dealt with Israel and their unbelief. God dealt with these angels and their rebellion. Are you getting it? Amen. Verse number seven, we're told about Sodom and Gomorrah. Everybody likes to try to say, I, I mean, I've heard this a hundred times. I've heard one, well, Sodom and Gomorrah, it really wasn't destroyed for homosexuality. It was restored, destroyed because of pride. And they use a verse that's found in Ezekiel. But over and over in the Bible, again, it is referenced that there was plenty of sin there. And one of those sins that God dealt with in all of this was the fact that there was homosexuals. It was fornication going after strange flesh. But here's the deal. Everybody understand, God dealt with them as well. Right. Do you understand what the writer is trying to tell us is this, is if God dealt with these in the past this way, right. and he's given us an example of how he's going to deal with these false teachers today. Does everybody see what I'm saying? So we see the examples of false teachers. We see the essence of false teachers. We see this in verse number 8. Likewise, also these filthy dreamers, as I said, they're not even living in reality. They defile the flesh. 
despise dominion as authority and speak evil against those that are over them. Is everybody all right? They speak evil of dignities. That's why he takes the next verse and he explains to us how the archangel, when he was, when he was battling Satan, all right, the Bible says, and he said that when he was contending with the devil, he, dis, uh, he disputed about the body of Moses. He did not bring up a railing accusation against him. But he said, the Lord rebuked thee. I'm going to go ahead and tell y'all this and we'll move on. But uh, God, and, God and Satan ain't equal. Uh, uh, that might be worrying some of y'all, all right? They ain't equal. They wasn't no fight in heaven to see who was going to win. God kicked Satan out of heaven and he, and he never even spoke a word. He thought in his heart that he would rise up at some point and take uh, the throne. He thought in his heart. He just thought it. It was, it was all in his heart. <laughs> and God said, no, we're not going to play that game. Is everybody all right? Job teaches us that Satan has to come and give an account to God. Job comes and stood, the sons of God come and stood before, before the Lord or before the Father. And, and, and he asked, he said, man, what you been doing? You know what that was? Accountability. You don't get to run and do whatever. Uh, Satan said, I, I was been going to and from looking for. He said, have you considered my servant Job? Let's all stop right now. Raise our hand to the Lord and said, I'm not Job. Amen. I like to remind God of that every chance that I get. Is everybody all right? Now, he, he tells us, though, that when this happened, ha he shows us how Michael dealt with it. Now, remember, he's saying that these men are speaking out against the authorities, which at this time would have been the apostles. It would have been the prophet, the teachers of the church, and they're speaking out against them. And he brought up an incident that we don't have knowledge of but the Lord revealed to him and he wrote and told us that when Michael was faced with this same thing with Satan, which by the way, Michael and Satan, they are equal. Is everybody all right? Satan ain't no, y'all better, y'all all right? Satan ain't equal with God. His equal, if there is one, is Michael, the archangel, all right? But even as an equal, Michael would not bring an a railing accusation against him. But he said, the Lord rebuked thee. Is everybody all right? You better watch how you, mm, you better watch, we better watch, we better be careful how we talk about people and to people. Verse number 10, but these speak evil of those things which uh, they know not, but what they know naturally as brute beasts in these things, they corrupt themselves. You see the essence of these men. In verse number 16, the Bible tells us about them that they are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in administration because of advantages. This, as we look at this, he gives us the essence of these men. And can I say this? If we go by verse number 16, murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust, woe unto the churches today. Israel battled this all throughout their history of murmuring and complaining and walking after their own lusts. And it's a battle that you and I and every believer still fights today. 
Everybody all right? We see the essence of false teachers. So we're talking about the exposure of false teachers. We see the examples. We see the essence. We see the emptiness of them in verse number 12 and 13. It's, we're told that they're, uh, uh, they're feeding themselves without fear. It says they're clouds that are without water. They're carried about of winds. They're trees that don't have any fruit. Uh, they're, they're raging waves of the sea that's only stirring up things. Foaming, the Bible says, out their own shame. They're wandering stars. In other words, a star that's been cast out of its domain. And it's wandering. This is what the Bible says about them, the emptiness of, their, of these false teachers. In other words, they stand and they boast of great things, but they're empty. I need, man, I, I, I wish, I, I hope I'm getting this. I, I, I want you to see this. The end of false teachers. He tells us about a prophecy that Enoch made that the Lord's coming with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment. Everybody all right? That's at the second coming. That's the battle of Armageddon. He gonna deal, is everybody all right? He's going to deal with some folks. And then we see the education about false teachers. This ain't the first time you've heard about it, he says. Verse number 17, he says, Remember the words which were spoken before the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How they told you that there would be mockers in these last days. How many of y'all remember the scripture? Uh, let me find it real quick. Uh, uh, 2 Timothy chapter number 3, I believe. Uh, uh, it says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. He said, you've, you've had this warning. You know that they exist. You know that this goes on. And can I say this? I believe the spirit of false teachers is in our churches today. Amen. People that complain, people that murmur, people that try, come on, y'all hear me. People that try to twist scripture to fit their lifestyle, twist scripture to fit what they believe. If I've heard it once, I've heard it a hundred times. Well, that, that ain't how I interpret the Bible. Well, then you're wrong. Amen. There's only one interpretation of the Bible. There's many applications to the Bible, but there's only one interpretation. There, you and I don't have, there's no private interpretation the Bible says. You don't get to choose how to interpret the Bible. There's only one interpretation of the Bible. And the problem with, uh, with most people is we don't want to line up with the interpretation. We want <laughs> the interpretation to line up with us. But we're warned that when men start doing that, when men start doing that which is right in their own, things get bad. So this spirit of false teachers, I don't think we have any in here. But if we do, God help you. You and I, we have been Enlisted to the fight. He exposes false teachers, how they teach, how they operate. We see the edifying, number three, the edifying of the followers. I got to move and get, get through this, all right? 
We see the enlistment to the fight. We see the exposure of false teachers, but we see the edifying of the followers. Verse number 20 through 23, the Bible tells us, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. In other words, building up, edifying. How many of you remember Acts chapter number 4? The gifts that were given to the church, what were they given to the church for? To edify, to build up. I need everybody to hear me. I need everybody looking at me. Everybody. Everybody. Every one of us is needed to build the church. We have the foundation. Building up yourselves on your most holy faith, that's the foundation. Paul tells us that that foundation is Jesus Christ. Is everybody else? He talks about there's no other foundation. If anybody builds on another foundation, they're building on the wrong foundation. Our foundation is Jesus Christ. He's our most holy faith. He's what our faith is built upon is Jesus Christ. But if we're going to contend for the faith, we're going to have to build our... Let me see if I can get this to you real good. Building up, say it with me. Help me. Building up. Did anybody catch that? Who was he talking to? <laughs> All of us. You. You. Ye. Building up. It's your responsibility. Boy, I just ain't getting fed. <laughs> Tends to happen when you don't come to the table. Right. Tends to happen when you don't pick up the fork. Right. Tends to happen when you turn your nose up to the food. If you had a mama like me, I need somebody to help me. There wasn't no alternative. Right. I, I, love, I love going to eat with some of you folks. And you're, you're youngin. You're trying to order for your youngin. And you're, I, I, they don't eat that. They don't eat that. They don't eat this. They don't eat that. I need somebody to say amen. amen. I bet after I got finished with them, they'd eat it. Amen. And they'd like it. Amen. And if they didn't like it, they wouldn't tell nobody. Amen. All the teenagers done puffed up. <clears throat> Bless God. You, you wouldn't. I wouldn't stay with you wrong. You're right. You wouldn't live with me long at all. I done, I, I, I'm thankful. I won't even beat a youngin anymore. Randy, I, I have beat my kids. Dalton, I beat Dalton. I beat that boy so bad. We, were, we used to play softball. I played softball five nights a week, man. We'd be out on the ball fields out there, and I'd just be, I, Randy, it didn't matter where I was at. I'd just holler out, Dalton! <laughs> I'm talking about within two minutes, that boy was standing in attention in front of me. Yes, sir. <laughs> I beat some youngins. Now I got some grandbabies. Guess what never happens with them? I'm not beating them. That's his job. And you know what? He don't beat them like I beat him. And you know what happens? I don't want to eat that. I don't like that. Don't get mad. You parents, don't get mad. You mad at me right now because I done brought up something that you do. But let me go ahead and help you out with something. You do the same thing with the preaching. 
that you allow your youngin to do with their food on the table. I don't like that. I didn't like what he preached about tonight. I don't like that contending for the faith stuff. I like that. Hey, I like that. Let's praise and worship. Is everybody all right? It's raising holy hands, preacher. Raising holy hands. Preach on that passage, preacher. Preach it. Is everybody all right? Listen here, there's a fight, and we got to get in it. There's a fight, and we got to get in it. Why? Because there ain't many churches in it. We got to get in it. We see the edifying of the followers. We see our authority is based on our, our holy faith. That's the foundation. Our appeal, praying in the Holy Ghost. Verse number 21, our attitude. Look at this. Keep yourselves in the love of God. That doesn't mean that we're trying to keep in the good graces of God. You know what that means? That means we're to see people like God sees them. We're to have the compassion that God has. We're to have the mercy that God has. We are to keep ourselves in a place amongst ourselves to where we're merciful with one another, we're gracious with one another, and we love one another. That's, that's what that verse means. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our attitude. How about our actions? Look at this. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. You know what? That means we're looking forward. That's one action. Let's go to verse number 22 because there's more. And if some have compassion, making a difference. That's another action is us having compassion. Compassion goes far beyond sympathy. Compassion leads to an action. The Bible says Jesus had compassion on the multitude. And then what did he do? He fed them. Making a difference. And others, saved with fear. Pulling them out of the fire. Hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Does everybody see our actions? You and I have a job to do and our aspirations. All right? What is our aspiration? Go back to verse number 22, if you will. Making a difference. I want to make a difference, y'all. I don't want Calvary Baptist Church just to be another church. I don't want to be just another preacher. I don't want you to just be another church member. I want to make a difference Amen. here. I, I, I can't make a difference anywhere else. But I can make a difference where God has placed me. I can make a difference right here. I can make a difference in my community. I can make a difference outside these walls. I can make a difference here. But I'm going to have to have some compassion. I'm going to have to save something. I'm going to have to pull them out of the fire. I'm going to have to do whatever it takes. Looking for that mercy. Of, he, he's coming back. Do you all understand what that means? When, when you're looking ahead at him coming back, you sense the urgency to start pulling people out of the fire. Let's move on. We're done. The enlistment to the fight. We see in verse number three, we see the exposing or the exposure of false teachers. Verses five through 19, we see the edifying of the followers. Verses 20 through 22 or 23, but we see the exhortation of the faithful one. Verse number 24, if you will, and verse number 25. I didn't close my Bible. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. And to present you faultless.
before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Verse number 25. To the only wise God our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. He's talking about his half-brother. I think he got in. I need somebody to help me. <laughs> he, he had a whole new perspective of old Jesus. But I want you to notice the exhortation of the faithful one, his work. The Bible says in verse number 24, go back to 24 with me. Uh, the Bible says, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. I want you to notice his work. You and I, on our own, we'll spend more time on our face. I need somebody to help me. But with him, he's able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless. That's what he does. That's his work. His willingness to do that. He does that because he loves us. He does that because he purchased us. He bought us. And let me say this. If you go back and you read the book of Jude, uh, the whole book, the whole book, you got to read the whole book. But not only does he call himself the servant of Jesus Christ, but he calls him his Lord. That ain't. He's not using that name as Jehovah. He's calling him my master, Lord. He that ruleth over me. Mm, man, God help us. If we get a hold of that right there. His work, his willingness, and then his way in verse number 25. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Listen tonight, I want to contend for the faith. Somebody's coming to that piano right now. We're going to give it, we, we got, man, we, we're early. We're early. But it doesn't matter if we don't put to practice what we've heard tonight. I can't tell y'all, we, we, we sit, there's so much preaching that's done and we've become so desensitized to it that we sit, sit there ha believing in our hearts that the preacher is preaching to somebody else when God the whole time is recognize tonight, God's, God got a word for us tonight. This was for you. Well, I, I wasn't going to come. Yeah, but you're here. <laughs> and God knew you was going to be here. And he had a word for, say it with me, had a word for. Now, what are you going to do with it? Come get in a fight. Maybe you've been sitting on the sidelines. Maybe you've been hiding out in the hills. Maybe you've just been observing things around Calvary. Come on down here. We got a giant to kill. Come on off the mountain. Come on. We got a giant to kill. And it's going to take us building up ourselves. That ain't the preacher's job. It ain't my Sunday school teacher's job. It ain't the choir's job. It ain't, it ain't, the, it ain't the children's church director's job. It isn't our guest services uh, 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 lady or hospitality tent out there. It ain't our care team. You. Personal, all of us, enlisted in the fight. What you going to do with it tonight? Are you ready? Because I, 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 I'm going to do my part, but I may need some, I may need some reinforcements. 
I may need some people that'll roll up their sleeves, get in the trench, grab a shovel and go to digging. I may need somebody that'll, that'll, that'll grab a hold of something and I, I, I don't know, save somebody. Pulling them out of the fire. Having compassion. People are dying and going to hell. Remember Sunday? Yeah. Every time my finger snapped, two people died and went to hell. That's just the average. That's, that's what the numbers are. That's what they say. Not people that died. People that died and went to hell. We come to the church. Hear the message. Leave. Same way we came. God help us. Get in the fight. There's a giant to kick. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. God, I thank you, Lord, for loving us. I thank you, Lord, for this church. I thank you for the souls that have been saved here, the lives that have been changed here. Lord, the families that are a part of this. Lord, each one of them. Lord, you've gifted, Lord, to help build the church. To, to edify, to build up, to strengthen, to encourage. Lord, I pray we do our part. We've been enlisted to contend for the faith. I got my enlistment papers. We read them tonight. Lord, I pray that we'd accept the challenge. Lord, we'd get in the trenches, get in the valley. Lord, slay the giant. God, we love you tonight. I thank you for loving us first. For dying for us when we were ungodly. When we were sinners. Lord, you made a way. Lord, that we could spend eternity with you. A way that Lord, we could avoid the wrath of God. Lord, you satisfied it with your death, with your blood. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Some people here at Calvary Baptist Church will get in a fight. Lord, that we'd see fruit, see lives change, people pulled from the fire, see people with compassion, making a difference. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.